Well, good morning and welcome to Synergy. For those of you who are guests, let me just start by saying hello. We're excited that you chose to be here. Uh, We are in week number two of a series called Healer. And for those of you who by nature are skeptical, or maybe we have some people here today who simply uh, don't particularly believe a lot of things that people who claim to be Christians believe or followers of Christ, or maybe you don't believe a lot of things the Bible says. And for you, Hearing a message about healing uh, just conjures up some kind of negative emotion of what's the catch, as if we're going to tell you something that you can get from God if you'll give something in return. Uh, Some of you may look at uh, a Christian's need for healing almost like you do a toddler, like my three-and-a-half-year-old who gets any little scratch and just begs for a Band-Aid, and you feel like maybe Christians are just weak And uh, we just, at the smallest little thing, we go crying to God as if he can help us and make everything better. And maybe you're here and you're just a little skeptical. Um, My goal today for you and for all of us, really, is that today would be helpful. Today would be helpful. Um, I know that many of you are here who personally have a physical sickness. Uh, Maybe you know someone in your family or a friend who has a physical sickness, uh, who needs a physical healing. But for others of you, maybe you're here and... And you need a different type of healing, maybe an internal healing. Maybe you have wounds and scars and hurts that people don't even know about. And uh, today, today my hope is that uh, you would understand the heart of Jesus who's our healer. Um, Our theme verse for this series is Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5. And uh, it says that he was, but he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds, we are healed. In fact, I'd like to, if we can, just read that together. We did this last week. I'm asking us as a church just to memorize this verse. We believe that it just has a huge potential to uh, help us in our lives. Let's read this together. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds, we are healed. And say that last part with me. Say, we are healed. We are healed. healed. You know, when Jesus died over 2,000 years ago on the cross, he did something for us then that we can step into and receive a reality for us, that we can live our lives in a reality of healing, even if sometimes we have symptoms that don't reflect that. And so our goal for this series is for us to not just physically receive some relief from pain, but for us to be made whole, for us to be healed, for us to be cured, for us to be put back together in those broken areas. And so what I want to do for the next few minutes is I want to share another story of um, healing of of a time when Jesus healed a man in Scripture. It's found in the book of John in the Bible. Uh, The book of John was actually written by a man named John who was a disciple of Jesus, uh, perhaps the most beloved, the most loved, the the closest friend that Jesus had here on this earth. And he writes this story in John chapter 9 about a man who I think we can learn a lot from his, his situation, his circumstances, and his healing. And so we're going to talk about this story, and then we're going to kind of talk in the end of our time together today about the reality of the hurt and the pain that we deal with that people don't know about, but that we truly need to be healed from. And so, so hopefully today will be helpful. Let's go ahead and uh, jump to this book of the Bible, John chapter number nine. It says, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, 
Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, I need to stop here and um, explain a little bit of the belief system that the people in this day had, which uh, we don't so much today claim that we believe this, but I think subconsciously, uh, deep down on the inside, we still believe this today. Um, When someone was sick, when someone was lame, when someone was blind, when someone was paralyzed, when someone had a major illness, whether they were born that way or they inherited that sickness or that disease at some point in life, the thought of the day, because it was such a self-righteous, religious, legalistic culture, was that someone did something wrong and that was a punishment. So when Jesus' closest followers, his 12 disciples that traveled with him, when he would do miracles that learned from him, his closest, closest followers, when they saw a man who was blind and he had been blind from birth, more than likely this would have been a young man, their first question to Jesus in in the presence of this blind man was, so who sinned? Like we want to learn here, we want to learn from you, Jesus, who sinned? Was Was it this man? Or his parents. Now, there's, there's a, a major flaw in the question itself to even ask, is it possible that this man sinned, that he was born blind? Uh, it seems kind of ridiculous to me because unless he sinned before he was born, he was born blind. So he probably didn't do anything to deserve that because he was born that way. So then it falls to, well, his parents must have done something wrong and therefore their child was punished with blindness. And that was, that was the thought of the day. Now, We don't say we believe that today, but I think if we're really honest, kind of deep down on the inside, there's still a lot of that that kind of legalistic, that kind of self-righteousness inside of us that that causes us to look at people who receive bad fortunes in life and somehow try to find fault within that person or someone in that person's life as if what they're experiencing is punishment. It's a, it's a result of a sin that they've committed. Now, before I kind of try to straighten out your belief system and, and just plead with you to be freed from this type of thinking, um, let me point out that there are consequences to sin, okay? So, for instance, if a young man and a young woman, they sleep together and the young woman gets pregnant, for the young man to think, you know, God is punishing me because I sinned and, and now my girlfriend's pregnant and we're having to endure the shame of this. God just, he hates me because I screwed up and, and now this is what he's done to me. No, no, you know the birds and the bees and sometimes if you sleep with someone, they get pregnant. That's a consequence of a decision you made. It's not a punishment from God. It's something that you received based on something you did. It's a consequence. Okay? It's no different from someone who gets behind the wheel after they've had too much to drink and they have a wreck and they end up paralyzed. It's not that God's punishing them for a life decision. It's that they made a personal decision that was not wise and the result, the consequence of that sin, that bad decision resulted in a negative situation. So they were impaired when they drove. They couldn't handle the vehicle. They ran off the road. They hit a tree. They end up paralyzed. God's not punishing them He's not lashing out at them. He's not looking for opportunities in our lives to make us miserable. It's just that, dude, you were were intoxicated. You got behind the wheel of a vehicle and you were going 75 miles an hour down the road and you hit a tree. I hate that, but God didn't do that to you. Okay? So there's consequences to sin. So don't hear me say that there are no consequences to sin. There's consequences to all of our decisions in life. There's consequences to sin, but... 
Jesus isn't the policeman of the galaxy that's looking to find you doing something wrong and waiting for an opportunity to punish you. So this young man was born blind and the first thing the disciples want to know is, so who screwed up? Because he's in a pretty bad situation. He's lived all this life without a sight and somebody had to mess that up for him. So Jesus, who was it? Was it him? Was it his parents? And Jesus gives an answer that if that's your way of thinking, if that's your attitude and your thought process, your theology, your belief system, then he kind of throws a wrench in that and just completely does away with it. They ask, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born this way? And Jesus says this, neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. So God's plan, God's divine purpose for this young man was that he would be born blind so that at some point in his life, Jesus, God the Father, might receive glory from this young man's situation. Now that's another situation because people say, well, God doesn't do bad things and there's nothing bad in him. And no, there's not. He doesn't do bad things. But why would God allow someone to be born blind. I don't know. I can't answer all your questions. But all I know is that Jesus himself says that this young man was blind, not because of a sin, not because someone screwed up, not because someone made terrible decisions, but so that in the end, God would receive glory through it. And for some of us, when it comes to this topic of healing, you just need to receive hopefully some freedom today in knowing that that maybe the pain, maybe the hurt, maybe the sickness, maybe the disease that you're suffering with, that that you're limping through life with, it's not God looking for ways to punish you because you've done something stupid in the past. But perhaps it's an opportunity for God to do something in your life just to display his glory, just to prove how great he is, just to show you in moments of weakness how strong he is And so this story, I think that we all can relate to on that level, just lets us know that that Jesus is for us. He's not against us. Jesus goes on to say, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Now, Here's one thing that I'm really, really, really trying to steer away from in this series specifically, a series called Healer, when we're encouraging people who are sick, who need to be healed to come and hear the message from from God's word, and specifically next week, we're going to pray for people to be healed. Here's, Here's my biggest fear is that someone would come looking for a formula, looking to say, okay, tell me exactly what to do and what to say and how to say it and when to say it at just the right moment and I'll do everything I need to do so that I can get healed as if there's a formula for Jesus' healing. In fact, there are some people that teach that there are formulas to being healed. And I can guarantee you that none of them involve stooping down in the dirt and hawking a loogie and stirring it around with your finger and picking it up and rubbing it on someone so that they could receive healing. See, the way we get healed isn't the most important thing in life. In fact, I believe Jesus heals people in lots of different ways. In fact, even in scripture, he healed people in lots of different ways. And so 
not here to tell you any kind of like hoaxy, like do this and you're going to get healed and I promise it'll work. You just got to, you know, trust me on this. Um, But Jesus, probably to the dismay of his disciples and everyone watching, he spits on the ground and he makes mud with the spit and he fixes it up with his fingers and he begins to rub it on the eyes of this blind man. Can you imagine what would have been going through the mind of everyone who saw that? Like, um, Jesus, I, I trust you. Like, I've seen you do some crazy, awesome things, but you probably shouldn't do that. Like, I know he's blind and he can't see what you're doing, but I don't think he would appreciate that. This is, this is um, it's a little strange. It's a little strange. And sometimes God lets us go through some strange circumstances And through them we receive healing. And so he does that. And then he says to the man, verse number seven, he says, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. So he's got mud on his eyes made from spit mixed in the dirt. He's not healed yet. And Jesus tells him to go and to wash in a pool of Siloam, which means sent. So the man went and washed and he came home seeing. Incredible, miraculous, supernatural. Man born blind from birth, has never seen a day in his life, has Jesus... Put mud made from spit on his eyes and he goes and he washes in a pool like Jesus tells him to and he comes home seeing. Huge miracle, incredible feat, completely restores his sight. Everything's been made new. Everyone's got to rejoice, but this man's about to go through a small season of his life that's just really, really difficult and confusing. Verse eight, his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging Ask, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? And some claimed that he was, and others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself said, I am the man. Like, like I'm the one. I was, I was sitting there, and I would beg, and I, I couldn't see. And I was always just asking people for handouts, and that's all I could do in life. And this man spit on the ground. He mixed mud, and he put it on my eyes. And I went and washed in a pool like he told me to. And I can see, like, this is a miracle. This is crazy. I can't believe it. Like, my life is forever changed. Verse 10, how then were your eyes open, they demanded. So they wanted an explanation, and that's what we always want from God. And what he doesn't always give us is an explanation. Well, how? Like, tell me what happened. And he replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes, and he told me to go to Salome and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked. I don't know, he said. So Jesus has kind of removed himself from this man's life, this man has received his sight and now people are taking notice. And just like the story from last week, the unfortunate thing is that this took place on a day that was called the Sabbath, which the religious people of the day, the Jewish people, claimed to be a holy day, a day of rest. And they were so legalistic about it that they wouldn't allow something good like this to happen because you weren't supposed to work on this particular day of the week. And so I'm going to read through uh, the, the rest of this story real quick until we can get to the part I want to talk about at the end. Verse 13, so they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath, and therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Now some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath, speaking of Jesus. But others asked, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided. So Jesus' miracle here divided the religious people. Some people said, well, maybe he is 
Like, maybe he is from God. And then others said, no, he can't be from God. But here in front of them is a miracle that they can't deny. A man who was blind and now sees. Verse 17, finally they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes that he opened. So now they're asking him, okay, we can't figure this out, who this man is. He's claiming to be God, but we don't believe he's God. But how can you do these things if you're not God? Who do you say he is? And listen to his response. This is important. He says, he is a prophet. Okay, now here's, here's the question. We, we have the luxury of, of having the scriptures and knowing the story. Was Jesus a prophet? No, he, he wasn't just a prophet. Jesus Christ was the son of God. God loved the world so much that he sent his only son to this earth. He was the son of man. He was the Messiah. He was the Christ. He was the fulfillment of hundreds of years of prophecy. He wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just a good teacher. This was the son of man. But the eyes, the man whose eyes had just been healed by Jesus didn't see him as the son of man. He just says, well, he's got to be a prophet. I mean, who can do such great things except for a prophet? And so in his mind, this is just, this is just a prophet, just a man who can do miracles. Keep going, verse 18. The Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. So they're skeptical. They're trying to find the catch. There's, there's something fake about this story. Somebody's making something up, trying to draw attention. Something's not right about this. And so they call for his parents. We'll get to the bottom of this. Is this your son, they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he can now see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind, but how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak of himself. And his parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. This was why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So they're asking the parents, is it true? Was he born blind? And is it true? Can he now see? Like, how did this happen? What's going on? And so they acknowledge he is our son. He was born blind and he can now see. Aside from that, you're going to have to talk to him because we don't want to get in the middle of this. Huge debate. Lots of people angry, yelling back and forth. We've got to get to the bottom of this. And it was common in that day that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the son of God, they would have considered to be a betrayer. They would have been kicked out of the synagogue. They'd have been disowned from the faith. There would have been a punishment and a consequence that would have gone with that belief. And so they kind of just say, you know, he's his own man, ask him. And so a second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know the man is a sinner. And so they want him to say, Jesus isn't who he says he is. They want him to give some kind of explanation as to how this happened. And he replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. I love that. I can't explain it. All I know is that I was blind, and I've never seen a day in my life until today. And now I see, and I can't deny that. And something special about that man. I don't know who he is. I think he's a prophet, but there's something special about him. Then they asked him, what did he do to you, and how did he open your eyes? A question they've already asked him. And he answered, verse 27, I have told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? And then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. And the man answered, now that is remarkable. 
You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. And nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. So he's just logically thinking here, like there's something to this man that they're calling Jesus. Okay, because I was blind and now I see. And, and bottom line, like he's a pretty special dude. I don't, I don't know. I can't explain it, but I've already told you you're not listening. And now you're claiming crazy things. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. Still that religious mindset. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. So these self-righteous people still say, man, who are you to lecture us? You know, you're the one that was born into sin. You were born blind because of something you did or something your parents did. And who are you to tell us things about God? And so they kick him out, kick him out of the synagogue, disowning him, if you will. Here's, here's to me the beautiful part of the story. This is where I want to focus for the next few moments tonight, the next part of this story, is because so many times we get caught up in wanting something physical from Jesus, right? We've got a headache and we say, Jesus, please take my headache. Why do we say that? Because that hurts and we don't want to live life with a head that's hurting. So in that moment, we ask Jesus to take the pain away so that we can live our life free from that pain. We're in financial stressful situation and what do we say Jesus I need something physical I need some money I need you to bless me with some money why do we say that because we're in a tight spot we don't know how we're going to pay some bills we don't know how we're going to make it and so we ask someone who we think that could help us do that for something physical we ask for a financial miracle and here's here's what I want us to understand today I want to talk for the next few minutes about why Jesus heals And I think the heart of why Jesus heals can't be so that we're all healthy. Can't be so that we're all healthy. Otherwise, we would all live like 150 years and there would be no disease. And anytime someone was sick, then we would just ask Jesus to heal us. And if all that he wanted to do for us in life is make us healthy, then he would just sit up in heaven and he would heal all of our diseases, take care of all of our pain, make life completely comfortable, and and there would be none of that. But he doesn't always do that. Luke 19.10 says that the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. John 3.17 says, for, the, for God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The main mission of Jesus being on the earth wasn't to make people healthy. Okay? It, wa- it wasn't so that people who were blind could see. Not primarily. And it wasn't so that people who were paralyzed could walk. Not primarily. And it wasn't so that people with terminal illnesses could live longer because last I checked, the median age in America is somewhere in the 80s. And women, you got a few more years on the men. And for whatever reason, that's where we are today. And if Jesus' whole purpose for coming to this earth was to make people healthy, then I think that if he really is the son of God, then people would live longer. And we would live well into our hundreds and people would would not have to go to doctors. And, And if that's all that Jesus came to do, then I think he would have done a better job at it, if I'm just being honest with you. And I think that if you believe that all Jesus offers is a physical healing for your body, then probably in your heart you think he's not very good at it. Because chances are you know someone who's died of a terminal illness. And you know someone probably right now who's suffering with a sickness, who's probably prayed that Jesus would heal them, and it hasn't happened yet. 
And so if that was his main goal and his main mission in coming to this earth and dying on the cross was so that we could be healthy, physically speaking, then um, we could almost chalk it up to, to being a failure. But we know that's not why he came. He came to seek and to save the lost. He cares about more than just our physical bodies. He cares about our spirits. He cares about our hearts. He cares about the condition of our soul. And he doesn't just want us physically healed. He wants to make us whole. That's where the beauty of this story comes back in because here's a young man who he's physically healed, once was blind, now sees, and he's now been ostracized. He's been kicked out of the synagogue by the religious leaders of the day. He's been disowned because he's claiming something that they say can't be possible. And in this moment of craziness for this young man, I'm sure, thinking, I've never seen before in my life, and my eyes are open, this is the best thing that's ever happened, but now they're kicking me out of the synagogue and disowning me, I don't understand what's going on here. Jesus shows back up in the life of this young man. And it says that Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, verse 33, and when he found him, I love that, when, when Jesus found this young man, he didn't just stumble across him, he intentionally looked for him. It's just like he intentionally looked for me, and he intentionally did for me, and he intentionally did for you. He finds this young man who he has already physically healed. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? He's no longer talking about him seeing. He's no longer talking about his eyes He's not like holding up fingers and saying, you know, how many fingers am I holding up? Yeah, you really can see. That's awesome. Like, I'm the one that did that for you. He's not, he's not doing that. He's saying, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Like, if you're the one that healed my eyes, like, tell me who he is and I'll believe in him. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. And so he reveals himself to this young man. Not only did I open your eyes and, and make you physically see, but there was a reason that I did that. And I, the one standing in front of you now, I'm, I'm the son of man. Like, I'm the Christ. I, I'm the son of God. Like, God sent me from heaven to this earth. And, and I care about way more than you just seeing. I care about the condition of your heart and of your soul. And then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. The beauty of this story is not that a man that was blind could see. The beauty of this story is that God used a physical healing to show himself and prove himself real in the life of this young man. He met him where he had a need, and he met a need, but the reason, the motivation behind it wasn't just to make him healthy. It's because he cared so much more about this man's condition than just his sight. And so he found him, he followed up with him. He said to him, look, I don't just have like magical powers to make you see, I'm the son of man. And you can, you can place your faith in me, you can live your life in belief of me. And I'll make all things new for you. And this young man receives not just his sight, but he receives new life in Christ. Have you ever thought about some motivations of, of healing, like, like what, if, what if you had magical powers to heal someone physically, 
And like, what if you could choose to make someone's symptoms just disappear? And if they had cancer, you could just say, cancer be gone, and immediately it'd be gone. And you just possess like a magical power. And let's just say, let's just say, let's just say that someone comes to you who smoked their whole life and they have lung cancer and they're dying of lung cancer. And they come to you and say, listen, I'm dying of lung cancer. And you say to them, well, do you smoke? And, and they say, well, well, yeah. And you're like, well, that's okay. And you healed. Lung cancer's gone. And the man walks away and lights up a cigarette on his way out. And then in six months, he comes back and he says, hey, listen, man, what you did for me last time was perfect. It was awesome. I, I want some of that again because you know, the, doc, the doc's saying I got cancer again. And, and you say, well, have you still been smoking? And, well, yeah, but you know, it's, I love to smoke. And, and you're like, it's okay. You heal him again. And then six months later, he shows back up again. There's going to come a point where you're going to get frustrated with using your magical powers to make cancer go away for someone who's doing something that's potentially causing cancer, right? You would get frustrated, right? Instead, what if you had a magical power to say, I'm going to free you from an addiction to smoking? Wouldn't that, like, wouldn't that make more sense? Like, wouldn't it make more sense to say, I'm not just going to get rid of the, the symptoms, but I'm going to get to like the root of the symptoms and I'm going to get rid of those and that's going to keep you from experiencing some of those symptoms. If it were that simple, if it were that simple, wouldn't, wouldn't you just agree with that? And I think, I think that Jesus sometimes cares more about that. Like, like for the person who drank and drive and is now paralyzed and they come to him and say, I can't walk anymore. And you go, Phew. You're healed, you can walk again. And then they go out and they get wasted and celebrating and they drive down the road and they hit another tree and they come right back to you and you're like, dude, like <laughs> paralyzed again, man. Can you help me out? You're like, yeah, no problem. They get wasted again. Oh, this is awesome. Best day of my life. You're like, no, no, you're missing the point. Like the point isn't you walk and the point is you need to stop getting wasted and driving. That's not good. It's not good. You hit trees and it's, it's not good. Stop doing that, and then you won't have to worry about. So many times we think like Jesus is just some genie in a bottle that we just go to, and he makes all things better when sometimes he cares way more about who we are and what we need than what we think we need. We sang a song earlier this morning called Healer perfect fitting for this series written by a man named Mike Gugliamucci in the midst of some crazy sick things that he was going through in his life and if you hadn't heard the story you probably sang the song and thought man this is just a powerful song nothing is impossible and Jesus is all I need and I believe that he's my healer and and maybe if you were sick you just thought to yourself man I'm just that's my song that's my song I'm going to sing it and then and then you saw the video you heard the story of how that song came to be and you heard that this man back in 2006 named Mike Gugliamucci went to a doctor for ordinary reasons and he came out with this fabricated story that he was dying of cancer and he took it to extremes for two years. The son of a pastor in ministry now led worship for thousands of people claiming that he was dying of cancer when he had no cancer. Deceiving people. Fake. Sick. We would all say that's sick. You probably heard that story. You watched that clip and you thought, man, that's just disgusting. 
Can't believe he did that. Can't believe he did that. Who does he think he is for two years causing his mom, his wife, his dad, his closest family and friends, no one knew that he was telling a lie. He would have his family take him to the doctor for checkups and it's okay, I don't want you to suffer. I'm gonna go up by myself, just drop me off, all I need is a ride. And he'd come back out, it's gotten worse. And they believed him all the while and he wrote this song in the midst of a lie saying, I believe that, that you're my healer I believe you're more than enough for me. Jesus, you're all I need. And, and he sang this song in front of thousands of people with an oxygen flow in his nose and carrying an oxygen tank onto the stage. And people in, in the audience, no doubt, with tears in their eyes, sang this song believing that God would heal someone who didn't even need to be healed. And you heard that and if you're like me, when you first heard that story, you thought, I'll never sing that song again. It's all a lie. It was born out of a lie. And here's what I believe. And it took me a while to get here, and I, I can just, if I'm just, let me be transparent with you. I think sometimes I have this self-righteousness that just kind of wells up inside of me, and I tend to look at other people and find faults and judgments, and I tend to make decisions based on how I would treat them, and back in 2008 when this story came out and our church was singing this song, the church that I was a part of as a student pastor, I, I said, no, I can't sing this song. Have you heard the story? Not going to sing it. Hate this song. Hate this song. Never going to sing it. How can such a powerful, incredible, engaging, heartfelt song come out of a lie? Here's what I believe. I believe that Mike Guglielmucci, he needed healing it wasn't from cancer, but it was something on the inside. It was a heart condition. It was something that no one saw and no one knew about, but he needed to be healed. And God gave him a song to sing. And he sang it for the wrong reasons. And he sang it through the lies that he was living. But you can't deny that there's some power to that song. That God had given him a song because he needed to be healed. He didn't need healing from cancer. He needed healing on the inside. And all week long, I'm telling you, I have felt such a, such a pressure for this sermon, for this message. And I felt such a pressure because in this room are sicknesses that people don't see. And in this room are illnesses that aren't diagnosed by doctors. And in this room are diseases that are eating away at people. And no one knows about it. There could be a, a young lady here who's thinking about taking her life. And I feel the weight of that. No one knows that. But inside she feels like she hates herself. And life's not worth living. And it's just best just to end it now. And she needs to be healed. And there might be a marriage that's just on the the brink of disaster and a relationship has just been severed and, and there's, some, there's some hate going on and there's some betrayal that's happened and I feel the weight that there needs to be healing in that life, in that situation. There's a man here who's, 
He's got habits that people don't know about. He's got addictions that people don't see. And he struggles day in and day out. I think some people struggle to do the right thing, but they just live defeated. But they need to be healed. It's not a physical healing. They don't have cancer. But there's a cancer on the inside of them that's just eating them away. People don't know about it. And, and I've just felt this pressure this week that like, Jesus, if you don't do something, if you don't heal some of these people, then, then maybe they're going to experience the consequences of some sicknesses that we don't see. So I've been praying this week for, for all of us that struggle deep down with things that, that people don't know about. And we have issues of pride. And we think that in and of ourselves we're better than other people. And we think that, that we're good Christians and that other people are bad Christians. And I'm just becoming so much more aware of my flaws every day of my life. That without Jesus I'm hopeless. I'm helpless. Some of you, you've been, you've been hurt by church. You've been hurt by religious people. You've been hurt by people who claim to be Christians, who claim to follow Christ. And, and they haven't treated you the way Christ would. And the church hasn't done something for you that, that Christ would have done for you and, and you've been hurt by that, that and you're here maybe skeptical maybe thinking like I want to find out what's wrong with this group of people and I'll just say you can start with me like you don't have to look far I hate that you're hurting I hate that you're sick I hate that you're carrying through life these burdens Here's the good news. Here's the good news. That Jesus, he doesn't just care about your health. That's not his main concern. It's not. It's just not. I know, that, I know that you pray for God to heal you. I know that you've prayed for God to heal your grandmother. I know that you've prayed for, like me, God would heal your dad. And I believe that he will. And next week, we're going to stand together and believe that he will. But he cares so much more about you than just your physical needs. That's why it's important for us as the church. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 25 that when we feed the hungry, we're feeding Christ. When we clothe the naked, we're clothing Christ. When we visit people in prison, we're visiting Christ. That's why it's important for us to meet physical needs for people because that gives an avenue into someone's heart. Jesus didn't stand up and say, hey, you're all evil people and you need to change your ways. He met a physical need and then he said, hey, there's more where that came from. And it's not just physical that you need. I can change your life. So I just came to tell you today that Jesus doesn't heal because he wants you healthy. But Jesus heals because he wants you whole. And if you're here today and you're not whole and you feel broken, and you feel shattered, and you feel sick, and you feel damaged, I simply want to take a few minutes and pray for you today and help you see that there's a God who loves you enough that sometimes he doesn't meet some physical needs because he's trying to get He's trying to get to the source. He's trying to get somewhere different. He's trying to get somewhere that you might not even identify as a need in your life. Will you close your eyes with me? Just let me pray. As, as your eyes are closed, 
I know we don't like to do this in church and no one's looking around, but if you would just say, like, what you said today, I needed to hear. That was perfect for me. And I'm someone who's damaged. I'm someone who's maybe on the inside sick. I'm someone who's flawed. I'm someone who maybe has some secret habits or, or maybe has some secret thoughts. And, and maybe I feel like my life's falling apart. And today, I want you to pray specifically for me. Would you just, would you just raise your hand just so I can see you? Awesome. You can put it down. Anybody else? Anybody else? That's me. That's me. I, I don't need a physical touch today. I need Jesus. I need him to do something in my life, in my heart. Let me pray for you. Lord, I'm so encouraged that you don't stop at physical needs. Crazy that you spit on the ground, made mud, put it on a man's eyes. I probably wouldn't have done that. It's incredible that you did that though. I'm thankful that we can read about that. It's crazy that he went and washed and he could really see. It's not a gimmick. Not some story that was conjured up. You literally healed a man's eyes. And people, they tried to reason and find ways around it. But at the end of the day, you cared enough about that man. Not, not just to let him see, but to help him believe. And my prayer this morning, Father, is that you would help us believe. That we would lean into you and all that you are and all that you offer us. In spite of probably some physical needs we have, would you just get to our heart? This morning, I pray for every hand that went up, Lord. I pray for a deep down healing, if that's possible. I pray that you just mend hearts and put lives back together and make relationships whole. Make men whole, make women whole, make teenagers and students, make them whole this morning, Father. In Jesus' name.